HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. As the news of coronavirus reverberates throughout the world, we at HRN are especially concerned about how coronavirus will impact our food system. We will use our platform to support the restaurant, agriculture, hospitality, and other food-related industries by maintaining our coverage and operations. As social distancing becomes the temporary norm, podcasts are more important than ever. There's never been a more crucial time to stay informed about the state of our food system and the way that food connects our global community. We're sharing all of our COVID-19 coverage at heritageradionetwork.org slash COVID-19. From interviews with nonprofit leaders and journalists, to firsthand accounts from chefs and restaurant owners, to reports on how the crisis is affecting regional farms. Our team is working remotely from all over to keep food radio alive. HRN needs your support more than ever to keep sharing essential stories and resources with our listeners. Make a donation of any amount. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Welcome to Food Without Borders, a show about food, politics, and identity. I'm your host, Sari Kamen and you're listening to heritageradionetwork.org. In light of the novel coronavirus pandemic, Food Without Borders is airing At the Table, a special interview series with journalists, chefs, farmers, activists, and business owners navigating the impact of COVID-19 on the food and beverage industry. This series was originally recorded for MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. If you'd like to watch the online video version of these interviews, please visit www.mofad.org backslash online dash video dash series. Thank you so much for listening. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to At The Table. I'm Sari Kamen, the Public Programs Manager at MOFAD. Um, today on this episode, I'm speaking with Deepti Sharma. She is the founder of Food to Eat and the co-founder of Vicky. Hi, Deepti. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm, I'm well. How are you? Overwhelmed and exhausted. I feel like that's like my constant state for the past like three weeks. But I think that um, a lot of people are feeling that right now. So it's, yeah. I, I don't feel horrible for feeling this right now. Yeah, well... 
you definitely have a lot going on. Um, in addition to running two companies, you are also a mom. Yeah. So, um, you have a lot on your plate. Uh, and I, I want to talk about all of those things. Um, why don't we start first with Food to Eat, which has been your company for, I don't know, how long has it been? Uh, so I've been working at it since 2011. So yeah. almost 10 years now. Wow. Yeah, for quite a long some time. time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot when you like put it into perspective, you're like, oh shit. Yeah. I have been doing this. For, I have been doing this for a while, but yeah. Yeah. So food to Eat since 2011. Yeah. Because you were on my Heritage Radio show. I don't mm -hmm. know. It's been maybe four years talking about it. And that's when we first met. Yeah. And I think that's probably when we had been into like year one or two of pivoting our business into B2B instead of B2C. Um, right. And so, yeah, that was a, that was a fun time as well. Um, but yeah, yeah. So food to eat, I'm happy to share more about. Please. Um, so food to eat on non-pandemic days is a corporate catering concierge service where we partner with immigrants, women, and minority owned restaurants essentially to help them book catering opportunities at large corporate offices. And the idea is we want corporations to think about diversity and inclusion beyond just hiring women and people of color, but really to invest in the local economy and small business owners and um, by using the purchasing power. And then the second thing is to create a more inclusive environment by providing food from all over the world. Now that you've hired people that you know, look and think differently, how do you create um, an inclusive environment? And, and food is such a simple way to do it. Um, and so, yeah, so that's what we do on a regular basis. And given the nature of where we're at today, um, and into kind of crisis mode of like, well, what do we do now? Um, um, and figured out, you know, we'll let things just happen. Um, as in let the industry figure itself out, but just doesn't seem core to who we are. We're very mission driven um, and, and, you know, wanted to help our community. So we started a fundraiser page on March 14th and just started sending it out to everyone that we could possibly find. Um, and the fundraiser was really to just like get us to be able to purchase meals from our uh, restaurants to then be able to uh, donate those meals to people that were in need. So we knew people were losing their jobs and that there would be a lot of people that that are food insecure um, and, and may not have the funds to be able to purchase food right now. And then we knew hospital workers, right? We knew people that are fighting on the front line hard all year, year round on a regular basis. And now they're just in crisis mode themselves and don't have a second to go outside. And it's not even if they have food available, it's morale is really down. Like there's a lot of posts and stories about you know, nurses and doctors and PAs and, and hospitals just not having the supplies to do their jobs. And I think that was really for us. And so we thought like, if we can bring them even a little bit of joy through food, then that's one way of for us to do this. And then the second, um, you know, I've just been working with friends that are, you know, for um, like E and just like protection for them. And so we're just kind of trying to help them coordinate and say, hey, we've been talking to this hospital here's some contacts, like if you tablets or masks or gloves, whatever it is that they need. Um, so I, I feel like a lot of us are kind of in that crisis while we're at home. Um, yeah. Have you started doing that yet? Are you like back and forth right now between hospitals or what's your, what's your kind of role in, in all of this other than like raising yeah, I mean, money? So we've, yeah. So Right now, uh, I mean, from day one, the, we have to have more money, right? The more money we have, the more we're able to donate. So I'm, we are four people on our team. 
Um, all of us are trying to do our part. So some were reaching out to hospitals and having those conversations. Crazy because, you know, we had people breaking down on the phone calls, people that were like crying because they just felt so helpless. And so those are really hard conversations. Also have to keep fundraising because in order for us to be able to feed them. So we're just like trying to also find, you know, organizations trying to do the same thing. And so I think that we're better together. And so we've just trying to trying to reach out to us and saying, Hey, if you guys have the funds, here's a hospital that's in need, or here's an, or, you know, a community that's in need. Um, and so, you know, from day one, it was just like trying to figure out how we can raise more money, talk to hospitals, communities. You know, we were talking to Congresswoman Gracie Mang's team to see how we can potentially, um, you know, feed people insecure in communities in Queens, but we wanted to be able to also do it responsibly. Um, so the city had set up some grab and go options at public schools. We were just seeing if there's other places like religious institutions, like mosques or temples mm -hmm. that would be willing to kind of do the same. But, you know, again, we're just in this, like I said, I want to do it responsibly. I don't want to kind of create crowds. And so we're just kind of yeah. trying to still have those conversations. What can we do? Can we do those non, you know, contactless deliveries if we identify who is in need right now? So if that takes me sitting here calling every single person that lives in Flushing, Queens, and then kind of logistically figuring that out, that's for thinking about, but also talking to the mayor's office to see what their initiatives are. And if we could help them do deliveries or, you know, like create a mass of restaurants and then we just kind of supply, we logistically put out uh, the deliveries and create the meals mm -hmm. um, because you're talking about a city with millions of people and lots of people that are going to be food insecure. So that's the other conversation that I'm having right now. But today we've been um, just feeding hospitals because those are the ones that we know we can do safely. Mm -hmm. And then from there, just trying to figure out where else we can go. Yeah. Um, how are your, how are the women and the people who run the businesses, um, that you work with at food to eat, how are they doing and, and how are their businesses holding up? And, um, you know, I know you've been talking a lot about how it's like women and undocumented workers and immigrants who are especially vulnerable during this time. So just kind of give us a little bit of context of, of what's happening with food to eat. Yeah. So, you know, all the, you know, people always ask like, why are you doing this? Like, why do you do this as a company? Right. And yeah. I was like, well, First of all, it's representative of who I am. I'm a first generation um, immigrant woman whose parents you know, emigrated from India. And it's really important to me because I don't think when people create businesses, they create businesses for these underserved communities. Mm -hmm. People don't keep them in mind or think about what are the hardships that they're going through. And a lot of the time representation is just not there. And so for me, it's, it's all about representation. Um, how can we represent people that don't that don't have a voice generally. And unless you're, you know, some really big time chef, um, you're not being heard. And like, if you read all these articles, most of them are, um, you know, there was an article in the times about like, what if all restaurants were gone and, and they were all either white women or white men. Mm -hmm. And that really bothered me. It's because like, great, that's just showing that success only comes within one community and that you're not talking about the narrative of others. And uh, slowly you're seeing it because people are probably calling them out. Um, but with that being said, when we work with over 100 restaurants on a regular basis, about 30 of them up until last week were still open doing deliveries. And so we've just been like kind of concentrating on, um, you know, just trying to help funnel as much as we can to them. And what we're hearing is, you know, hope 
is there, but there's a little bit of like desperation too, just like, you know, they're confused, right? They don't know what, what's going to happen, you know, tomorrow or today and they don't know if they'll survive rich and they're not you know they they a lot of them take a lot of risks to start their own businesses and take a chance you know they some of them have stories where they started off as you know working as dishwashers and then kind of moved their way up saved enough money to be able to put into creating a business and employ other people like themselves and then this happens and yeah. so you know a lot of them haven't been you know some of them have told me like you know our business wasn't doing well before this and now we're even more fucked, um, you know, for lack of a better terms, like they haven't been taking salaries and they're still not going to be taking salaries. And so they're trying to figure out what, um, where they stand. Right. And, and, and so, and this, this is people that are, you know, citizens of this country. And then you think about undocumented, um, they stand and whether they'll be able to, you know, take advantage of the stimulus package at all, which they won't, um, are people that are trying to fundraise for them. Um, as well, which is great to see, right? Like, I think like every community is in need. And so we're all trying to do our part. Um, and at Food to Eat, we've just been concentrating on the people that we serve on a regular basis because announced that they were going to be working from home. I knew that this was going to take a bigger effect. And, um, you know, our government wasn't really doing a great job at like releasing information of what was actually happening and how the virus affecting us as a country. Um, but I was, you know, I live in Flushing, Queens in, in Chinatown, um, and we had the coronavirus scare because we have a huge Chinese population that was very educated about what was happening. And a lot of people were, were wearing masks from January. People yeah. were selling hand sanitizer and wipes in January. You know, my mm-hmm. kids' school were, were sending notes home to say that they were taking all precautions in January. So we had been, this has been a part of our like kind of headspace for quite some time, um, but as soon as I saw like Amazon would be doing that, I was like, well, we're going to get hit, but I didn't think it would, we would turn into zero revenue. Right. And so that's where, you know, so the stories are scary. Um, you know, lots of tears from even our restaurant owners just because they're scary for themselves and their teams. Um, but again, like every, everyone is trying to do their part. And so it's nice to see everyone coming together and hopefully instead of us doing all of these individual things, the more we come together and like put, the dollars together and like create initiatives that work better together, then um, we're not overwhelming all these other people that are kind of being struck by this, uh, by this pandemic. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, lots of, lots of hope and then lots of scared shitless and <laughs> just like, yeah. not knowing what comes even yeah. us, right? Like people are like, you know, aren't you afraid of what, where you'll be in three months? And I was like, yes, I am. But I also like, don't want to sit here thinking about that because I can't predict what will happen to this industry. I don't know how people's habits are going to change. I don't know if people are going to be ready to go outside and, you know, be near each other. And like, if you think about New York city restaurants, you sit like this close to the person next to you because we try to maximize space. Right. It's not like the restaurants in the suburbs where you have space and you can't hear, you can't eavesdrop on the conversation next to you (laughs) in New York. Like I literally went to a restaurant in uh, the West village with my husband, like, in I think November it was and I was like that like we had to pull the table out to get into the seat so that just goes to show you I don't know if people are ready to like go back to those restaurants and and so that's what's scary to me is just more like the industry at large as opposed to where do we belong yeah 
Um, back to your point about representation in the restaurant industry, how do you think kind of moving forward, um, we can sort of recenter the conversations about the restaurant industry so that, you know, we're, we're talking more about people of color and immigrants who are truly, you know, the, the backbone of the entire industry. And I do sort of think that there's a little bit more of a sense right now that this is, this is the case. This is the reality of where we're at. So how do we pivot? So it isn't just about like the white, you know, rich male chefs of the world. Yeah. I mean that, so we, uh, we started something that we're trying to push now a little bit so that storytelling becomes, um, even more essential. Um, but I think that like we need to talk to these people more, right? Everyone, I think everyone has a story to tell. So humans of New York, if anything has taught people that, people walking down the street are as interesting as the presidents of the world or the celebrities that we all look up to, right? We all have a story. We all have unique experiences and that's what makes us human. That's what brings us together as a community. And so I think that if we continue to tell those stories, I think that's really important. We started something called I made your food uh, last year, which was the whole premise was, do you ever think about where your food came from? Like how many times a day do you think about who, which farmer picked your, your, your eggplant or, you know, or your tomatoes or which chef cleaned that plate that you're eating on at that restaurant. Most of the time people don't. And so we started that series with the premise of how do we humanize the experience of food? And it's so interesting to see now people being like, small businesses are hurting. We need to help them. And I was like, thank right. God. But it sucks that like it took this for right. people to realize that we're all humans, that delivery folks grows you know, like you didn't think that when there was a snowstorm and you were coming through that when you weren't willing to go out to get your meal, you realize that only when this is happening, that bothers me. And so I know it's just a bit of a tangent because it's just, I've been doing this for 10 years. I've been advocating for them for 10 years. Seamless and Grubhub have continued taking like fees up the wazoo. And so I think we need to just go back to a place where we understand who these people are and humanize them. And remember that they are humans just like you and me, right? I think we're finally coming to a place where we'll realize that there's a huge equality gap in, in, in uh, wealth as well, right? Like who gets paid what? And so people are fighting to get paid $15 an hour as restaurant workers. That's not even enough. And yet you know? essential workers. And yet they're the ones that are told, hey, you have to stay in the grocery stores to work. Yeah. While every other privileged person person gets assisted at home. So I think that if people can walk away with, from this, not just remembering like at a time in crisis is when we need grocery stores and, and, and uh, gas stations and, uh, you know, restaurants that we need them all the time. They're a huge part of our, our, uh, the way our world works and, and the way our world runs. I think that we need to create businesses around that and, and acknowledge people like us who are trying to create for those communities, right? Like I couldn't fundraise in 2011 for the business that I was trying to create because of the fact, I mean, if you look at every, if you look at DoorDash, you look at Postmates, you look at uh, Seamless, Grubhub, all started mostly by men and mostly white men. And, you know, I think with the exception of DoorDash, most of them are white men and, and all of these companies, why were they getting funded and not us when we were actually creating something that would help this industry. And maybe though that industry could have had a bit more money to survive right now, had a company like us been funded at that, right. that time. So 
I think that driven companies matter. A company that has a way to think about profitability matters, right? Like investors are only thinking, thinking about like, how can we quickly get from here to here with that hockey stick? And, and that shouldn't be the only way we think about companies. It's not about money. You know, BlackRock CEO two years ago at this point had made a comment um, about uh, financial gain versus social gain and, and how the importance of social gain needs to be looked at. And I think if more companies think about social versus finance, like financial gain, I think that will be game changing for what people are able to build. If we remember that we want to help a community and not just think about how many dollars we can get out of them, I think that's important. Um, you know, so it's an interesting for these communities. I think that if, if people really care to see small businesses survive. I mean, if you walk down Manhattan and you see every single, and I, I have a video that I'll share with you um, that we created uh, 2014, so six years ago, we created this video and it was, the video's whole premise was what would happen if all restaurants closed down? Mm, like, wow. would it matter? Would you care? And that's happening now. And that video made me cry. Like, and I'm not an emotional person. I don't cry. And I was just like, I can't believe that I've just been advocating for this for so long. And now people finally realize this. Yeah. I've never ordered from Seamless or Grubhub with this sheer, like, um, you know, persistence of like restaurants matter. They're, they're like, they need to exist in this society for a number of reasons other than just economy boosting, right? It, it gives us pleasure to go out. And how many memories do you have of like, where you first, you know, I don't know, like met your, your husband or mm -hmm. where you had your first meal together and what you shared and all of those experiences are because of the people that created this industry. And a large part of them are immigrants like my parents that have a, a restaurant and undocumented workers that work in kitchens and are often back of house. Yeah. Um, so I would also encourage people looking up communities, you know, like us, but also black food folks, right? Um, a friend of mine who I've known for years, Clay, who's a photographer, has been working on that uh, project. And it was amazing when he did it. And I was just like, yes, back of house are like, these are people that are never getting recognition because they're always back of house. Um, and, and, and that like, those are the communities that we need to support that are like bringing these stories together and, and, and giving them a voice so that they too can turn into owners of restaurants and create, you know, more sustainable, uh, create a more sustainable future. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I don't know if that answered the question. But. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It did. Um, but it feels like a good time for you to talk about Bicky since you mentioned Grubhub and Seamless. And so tell us. Yeah. With that. So my husband and I started um, along with their co-founder, who's also a cousin. We <laughs> who used to work at Slack, but um, the three of us founded uh, Bicky because one day my husband was uh, at my parents' restaurant and he saw my mom writing down um, names of people, of customers. And he was like, mom, what are you doing? And she was writing down names of people from uh, like that have ordered on Seamless or Grubhub just being like, hey, like she wanted to call them because she knows them. And she's like, Hey, I want you to come in and enjoy. I see that you order a lot. And so she, you know, they're a fine dining restaurant. And so she wanted to create an experience for them to come inside the restaurant um, just because that's just who she is. So if you think about that, that's like very manual. Um, mm -hmm. How much time does she actually have to keep doing that? Yeah. But if, what if we had automated that? So Vicky uh, is a platform where we we're essentially a CRM for restaurants. So what we do is we pull their data from um, their delivery apps, from their loyalty apps, from their point of sale, 
and we aggregate it into a dashboard so that you can actually tell a story of who um, is John Smith, right? And of course, I pick the most basic name, but um, <laughs> but who or who is Deepti Sharma? And um, essentially, allow these restaurants to better communicate to their customers and and give them the right messaging without like, you know, most restaurants think I need to give people deals for people to show up. Let me give them a discount and they'll come to my restaurant. And we want people to be able to say like, no, you're, you're worth people coming and paying full price, create brand loyalty, create, you know, um, this affinity that people acknowledge you for who you are and, and communicate with them better. So we help them create email marketing campaigns, um, in a correct way so that they're not just sending random deals to people to show up, but better understanding them. So that's what we do on non-pandemic days. <laughs> Today we created, uh, or, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we created something called eat.biki.com uh, with uh, the premise that, you know, we saw that restaurants um, were falling down, right? And what could we do to help the community? And we also started seeing Seamless Grubhub uh, putting up, um, you know, these contracts or these waivers that they would defer the fees for restaurants, which means we won't charge you now, but we'll charge you three months from now. Mm. Um, and it's like deferring fees isn't really helping. I understand that they need to survive as a business too. So then what you could do is say, hey, we'll cut our, they take up to 30% for some restaurants. So you can always say to them like, hey, we'll take our fee down to 8% because that's what we need just to break even or to survive mm -hmm. right now. And, you know, that's just to help alleviate some of the pain. And it would be more transparent as opposed to doing something like this because to me, that's like not helping. It's like what WeWork did to us, right? WeWork told us that they would not charge us for April, but they're going to spread it out within the next three months. And it's like, bro, I have zero revenue. So I don't even know if I'm going to make it. Yeah. So when we were hearing all this, we thought, well, what can we do? Um, how can we get people to order directly from restaurants? So we created essentially a kayak for restaurants direct ordering websites. So instead of uh, individuals ordering from Seamless or Grubhub, we're telling you order directly from the melt shop, order directly from the meatball shop and help them save some money so that they have a chance of surviving. So whatever business comes in today, um, they're not paying a fee to somebody else but they're keeping all of their margins. And you know this, I mean, restaurant margins are already so slim. Um, they're, you know, in some cases, like less than 15%. And so if they're giving away 15%, what are they making? Nothing, right? So, and, and that's all the business they get right now. Like right now, they don't even have foot traffic. They don't have any of that. So what could we do to alleviate that? So we created that for Vicky and, and, and really just to help in some small way, aggregating um, the data. And, and that's something we're still doing. So we launched in Chicago and New York with over, I think we have about 2000 restaurants now. And so now we'll just start adding more to the list. And, and uh, for now, we'll even just add places so you can call them and order directly. If you can order online, pick up the phone, don't be lazy right now, you have a little bit more time. And so, you know, as that list grows, we, we hope that people get into the habit of understanding how they can actually support restaurants directly. Um, and like I said, I mean, food to eat started as a consumer business because I wanted to change the way restaurants were being charged, but consumers weren't ready for that. Right. They cared more about, um, you know, they're more worried about their own convenience. And so this is a digital way for us to provide that, you know, like how do we make it convenient for you? So you don't have to 
Google search a phone number for your favorite restaurant and you can still discover, right? The other thing is- Or even pick up the phone and call them. Yeah. I mean, people are, yeah, they're not going to do that. Seamless, Seamless had ads, which really pissed me off. I remember Seamless had subway ads that would say, long gone are the days where you couldn't understand your Chinese takeout. I saw that. Oh, and I was like, do you understand that's, that's like straight up racist. (laughs) I'm not, I'm laughing because my my reaction seeing that being like, what? Yeah. And of course, like, you know, like it's like the snooty yuppies of like Manhattan and Williamsburg that were like ordering. So they didn't like take offense to it. They, they were just, and, and they didn't get shit for it. They didn't get called out for it. And just, it's, it's unbelievable that like, whoever they use for marketing, whether it was internal or external, like didn't actually understand that that was not cool. Um, and again, it's, 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 it's just one of the reasons why I will never order from Seamless or GrabHub. I hate it. Like both companies just piss me off so much. I'm like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's our small way of trying to contribute to the company. And then, you know, Abhinav, my husband has been focused on also creating content, um, you know, we are a data company. Um, and so like, what can you do today to look at your data and, um, you know, essentially help yourselves, uh, like talk to your customers right now? What, what kind of messaging should you be sending them right now? Um, how can you help a alleviate, you know, their worries about how you're preparing your food to, you know, what your future looks like. And, and, you know, the better you understand that you should be talking to your customers, um, the more you understand how to like navigate the data that you already have. Um, or just how to look at the data. So since we know that, right, yeah, and we, week one, as soon as we saw this happening, one of the things that Abhinav did was he created a Slack channel where we started inviting all of our customers on Vicky, but also customer, restaurants were adding other friends of theirs and just sharing information. Um, yeah. You know, at this time, like anything that we can do to help each other, there's like now WhatsApp groups of restaurant owners of New York, um, people that like I've probably wanted to talk to for ages that are now just like talking to us because we're um, helping in, in whichever ways we can. But that's the interesting thing is that like you've never seen this community come so quickly together before. So it's nice that you can finally like, you know, get the the larger restaurant chains that have the voices because those are the ones that are being heard to like create the change that we needed in this industry. I just hate that it's happening like this. Yeah. Um, so who are the restaurants that are, that you've partnered with for Bicky? Are they, I mean, obviously the restaurants who are already involved with food to eat, but how does one get to be on the platform? Um, where you can submit yourself as a restaurant. Um, we've added restaurants that are also not customers of ours. We're just adding restaurants as we find them. You know, we've turned to people like, um, Lunchbox that are like, or Bento Box that are restaurant, uh, that are, um, creating online ordering plat- like uh, individual online ordering pages for restaurants. So we turn to them and say, hey, do you have data that you can share that we can use on our platform? Um, so mm-hmm. you can definitely just submit your restaurant. Our current customers that we've worked with, like Dos Toros, so, you know, they're definitely on there. Um, but we're looking at you know, uh, individual restaurants like Desi Gully, which is a, a two, um, it's a mom and pop that has two locations in the East, one in the East Village and in, in um, in Midtown East and we put uh, her restaurants on there. So any restaurant that okay. we want on yeah. there. And so like, there's literally a submit your restaurant, submit a restaurant button. Um, and then we're trying, you know, as we've been sharing and as you've been sharing, which has been great. Thank you so much. Um, sure. It's just like asking individuals like to crowdsource data for us. And just like, if you know that there's restaurants in Portland, send them over to us. Right. And we'll just, you, if people start searching Portland, 
um, addresses, they'll find restaurants as so as people send them, we're adding them. Cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, the sooner we get data, the better, and the more like we are able to at least expand our efforts to to help restaurants. Okay. And will you just give us that website one more time? Yeah, it's eat e a t dot bicky b i k k y dot com. Cool. Um, and I just want to you know close by just asking you like what you're doing to take care of yourself because you know not have, not only have you not only are you running two companies, two small businesses, and supporting so many others, but you also have you're also a mom. Yeah. Um, so how, how are you doing? I mean, I've always thought of you as someone who's like a real life superhero, but now I, but now I'm like, it's for sure. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I I really appreciate that. I, 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 I don't know that I've taken much time for myself right now. Um, I think that I eventually will, uh, you know, cause I, I will crash soon enough. Um, we, we honestly, like in full transparency, literally just haven't had the time to, cause I, I feel like there's just a lot to do, but, um, I'm trying to meditate <laughs> when I can. It's hard because we live in, you know, when you're in a house with like so many people, it's not easy, but like, even if my kid goes to sleep, I like get up and I like meditate for even like two minutes just to like give my sense, like get some clarity. Um, and then I try to go for a walk. Um, I didn't go out for 10 days. But I finally went for a walk because I was like, I need, my hair needs fresh air. I was like, my hair, my hair is like drying up and it needs oxygen that's not like stuck in a, in this like house. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that like we need to just take a couple of minutes for ourselves. Eventually I'll make more time. I promise. Okay. I'm glad to hear that. I will hold you yeah. to that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Please do. Cause I don't know that I will. So yeah. Thanks, Jeepty. Um, well, just tell us how we can follow along, like all the different platforms, Food to Eat, yeah. You, Vicky, yeah, all the so, things online. So I am most active on Twitter and uh, Instagram. So Instagram is Deepti NYC, and then uh, Twitter, Deepti Sharma One, and then Food to Eat and Vicky are just the company names. So um, okay. yeah, just follow along and please share if you can't donate, just like at least helping us spread the message is, mm-hmm. is good enough. And your fundraising campaign is, is still active? Yes, um, we are still very much active. We have the GoFundMe. We had one with iFundWomen as well. Um, and that's almost finished. That was $5,000, but we're raising fifty on GoFundMe. So um, if you guys would like to contribute or share, please find us. Um, the links are on all of the bios. Um, so definitely just share as much as you can. Yeah, okay. Steve D, thank you so much for thank chatting you with so me much. today. Stay safe. Yeah, you too. And keep going outside. Yes, I will. I'm like looking out the window. That's why I keep looking over there. And yeah. the other there's a window and I was like, oh, there's light. Um, yeah, sunshine. it's important. Yeah, vitamin D is necessary for all of us. Absolutely. So, all right. Thank you again Thank you so for much. what you do. Thanks, Steve T. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community?
community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. This program is powered by Simplecast. 